When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Life the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe. Our producer, Cam Parker, alongside. Clean up on the Specs tax line. Ryan said, hey, Craig, what about the ARN music stations as far as changes? Uh, uh, we heard about those, unfortunately, with the sports station, with 1049. Uh, as far as we know, things will continue with it. Well, 1053 The Bat is also, I think, being shuttered because I think it's part of uh, the impending sale thing going on. Uh, but uh, Coke FM is still around and will still be going. Somebody else asked a question for Jeff. If Gerald was in Game of Thrones, would it be north of the wall? So you have the advantage of me there because I've not watched Game See, of Thrones. See, part of me would say yes, but I, I almost want to say it would be Castle Black since that's like where you just kind of go to live out your days. It's where nobody really wants to go. So uh, the, I'm torn. The home building would would speak to the contrary on I'm that. Torn. People are going there to live in large numbers. And they will soon come to regret that decision. Mm. Gratefully, uh, I do not know the answer, Pastor Smasher. Why was Coke Fest canceled? You'd have to ask Eric Rains and the people over at Coke FM about that. They, they, we, the, the stations have been owned by the same company, but. You know, we're in one wing, that's, and that's down. That's down the other <laughs> wing. That's above my pay grade, yeah. right there. It, we we haven't had anything to do with any of that. There's a lot of stuff around here above my pay grade. Yeah. So uh, there's that. Uh, CB reminds us that he says Twitter inconceivable is that Twitter is actually now dead. It's now called X. No, it's still called Twitter. Yeah, I'm. Lo- I mean, I'm looking at it, but the lo- the bird logo is no more. That's right. That's right. So, well, I got a bird logo right there. Yeah, okay. See, well, I don't have my bird my bird logo. My bird logo is still showing up on the tab, but yeah. when you open Twitter, it's the X. Okay. Elon's awful proud of his stuff, isn't he? Uh, I guess so. Uh, so there is there is that. Uh, Longhorn Bear, on the reminder, I said I didn't mention about the woman who was uh, taken out by the Baron Yellowstone because it's. Uh, I said that's not inconceivable, unfortunately, because it happens all too often. He says, yeah, true, we are the intruders at Yellowstone. And uh, I agree with you. I would also say this, Longhorn Bear, the, the, the park was set up, the way the park and in, 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 uh, in Teddy Roosevelt's vision for it, the park was set up for people to enjoy the beauty of Yellowstone, but not to consume it, not to go out and <laughs> do things you're not supposed to do like feed bears or approach them or do goofy, stupid things at Old Faithful, the geyser, and 
crazy stuff like that. Don't be don't be hunting good places to take a picture for the gram and whatnot. Enjoy the park the way it was intended and the way it was set up to be enjoyed. That's that's the end of my soapbox about that. That's all I have to say about that. So just just saying. Uh, so anyway, there we go. <laughs> so that means no more haircuts at eight on Wednesday night on the, uh, on the bat. That's right. The, the, the hair bands that were playing there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Uh, okay. So uh, here in the uh, second hour of the program, what, what we are going to do here in a few minutes, we're going to have the uh, flex 30 update, which will uh, be the unveiling of the first group of the all flex team uh, for, uh, and that would be, uh, offensive and defensive linemen. We'll have that uh, coming up. So that's just around the corner uh, for that. And then, um, and then, of course, we'll have a Longhorn Notebook for hour number two as well. Gave away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine in the first hour of the program. We'll do one again tomorrow as we're giving away copies down the stretch of the regular season. Okay, other than Jeff Howe, I'm going to remove two games from – the Texas Longhorn football schedule. For okay. Season. Okay. Going to remove two. At Alabama. All right. And the Oklahoma game. Okay. Which game now intrigues you the most on the Texas game? First of all, would it be safe to say that would be one of those two if they were if I had not removed them from the schedule? Probably because Bama's Bama and the OU yep. game is its own right thing. Its own so if beast. you if you extract those two games from from the schedule and now you're looking at Rice and Wyoming at home, conference opener at Baylor, Kansas at home, uh, at Houston on the 21st, BYU at home on the 28th, K-State at home on November 4th, at TCU on the 11th, at Iowa State on the 18th, and then Texas Tech on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Which of those games intrigues you the most here on July 24th? Honestly? Yeah. As crazy as this might I've got a couple. Right. I'll give you... The first one, and I'm just going to go in chronological order okay. based on the schedule. Okay. But hosting Kansas on September 30th. Mm. The okay. reason why I say that is you look at where that game falls. you got the conference opener at Baylor. We know about that's probably going to be the last time Texas goes to Waco mm-hmm. for a long time, if not ever. I want to say ever. But Certainly in the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be an emotionally charged deal. You come back to play Kansas. We know Kansas isn't afraid to play Texas at home. Or for in their case on the road, they've got who I believe is the right now the best quarterback in the Big Twelve in Jalen Daniels. Okay, uh, who who probably means more to his team than any quarterback in the league. No argument there. And his skill set is the kind that his ability to ad lib to extend the play in Texas last year, on top of KU not being able to stop the run, you got a rusty Jalen Daniels and. By the time you thought you thought he was getting into a rhythm, it was too late to matter whatsoever. Because mm-hmm. uh, we saw a different Jalen Daniels against K State, we saw a very different Jalen Daniels against Arkansas. So I think just the Jalen Daniels factor. I've got my my antenna is up for the Kansas game okay. on the thirtieth, and plus it's in between Baylor and Oklahoma. You play right. KU at home, then you play OU uh, in Dallas the following week. Okay, the next game because you just going down the schedule. Mm-hmm. Houston doesn't worry me as much because you've got a bye between OU and Houston. Mm-hmm. That's your bye week. Coming back to play BYU, <laughs> your head coach knows better than anybody what kind of opponent that is. 
But then you come back home on November 4th to play K-State. It's back-to-back home games for Texas, and it's right before you go to Fort Worth to play TCU. Mm-hmm. And keep this in mind about K-State. Chris Kleiman, to my knowledge, has beaten everybody in the Big 12, minus the four newcomers. He's beaten everybody in the Big 12. Except Texas. Texas. It's probably going to be his last shot at it. Is it now a six-game winning streak for the Longhorns over K-State? Uh, let me think about that. Well, wait, I'll tell you right okay. now. Okay. I'll tell you right now. There is... Last loss was probably 2016. Uh, yes. I think that is... Charlie's probably... last year? Yeah, going in Manhattan because Herman never lost to K-State. Yep. And Sark is undefeated. Yep. That's it. So it's six in a row. Yeah. So I would say Kansas State worries you just for that reason alone. Mm-hmm. And the third game is you play K-State. You go to Fort Worth to play TCU. Mm-hmm. This team should be, again, emotionally charged up to play that game. Mm-hmm. And, and you know you know how this team is going to feel about hosting Texas Tech in the regular season finale. November 18th in Ames at Iowa State is the other game that concerns me. Not necessarily for anything Iowa State brings to the table. But you know Matt Campbell is going to coach his team up to play. They, they play a ton of close games. And you play with fire often enough, you're going to get burned. And they have been burned. They were burned a lot last year. Craig, Texas hasn't played a, what I would consider a good football game in Ames, Iowa in over a decade. You know they won, there, they won there in 2011, a game that wasn't really close. 2013 was the Jonathan Gray fumble, non-fumble at the goal line mm-hmm. and a one-point win. 2015 was one of the more miserable road game experiences I've had on the beat, which was the 24 nothing shutout. 2017, they won, but that was when John Haycock unveiled that three-safety defense that's kind of become a staple of what they do now. What was that, 17-7? 17-3, and it was, like, it was like watching paint dry. And then 2019, 2019 was, the, uh, was the game where they had some – remember they had success in some two-minute stuff with yep. Sam Ellinger throwing the football – then they decided to go back to the run. They end up losing at the gun. And then 2021 was the 30-7 to loss with the Bo Davis bus incident getting out of the stadium. So it's been a rough go of it in Ames. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's in the middle of November. Probably going to be snow on the ground. Weather conditions are probably going to be miserable. Uh, I don't know how good Iowa State's going to be this year. I figure they'll probably right. be a 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five type team. So that's – I hate using the term trap game, but if you're going to have it apply to something <laughs> – that Iowa State game. So those um, are the, those are the three that that you know have my antenna. Up. You you mentioned the nineteen game, and I understand what you mean when you talked about about going back to the run. But if memory serves, then they also have a drive downfield late in the game. They scored, but they couldn't stop Iowa State, who drove down and kicked the field goal to walk it off. The defense had been playing a little better. They had had that rough start to the second half yeah. where they threw the. Uh, what was it? There was a, not the double pass, but I think it was just Tariq Milton got by yep. the coverage. Yep. Somebody fell down. I think yeah. like Deshaun Jamison fell down. Maybe yeah. I forget. Somebody fell down, and Brock Purdy hits Tariq Milton for like right. an eighty-yard touchdown. Uh, the defense had started to play better, but the offense never really got anything consistently going, other than the two-minute drive right before the half and the penultimate drive of the game where they right. had some fourth downs and had to put the ball in Sam's hands, and he went and made some things happen. Yep, and then they got the lead, and then... If I remember right, it was either a Jalen Green interception or a three and out. I don't remember what prece- what preceded that drive, but they got the ball back, and they just handed it to Keontae Ingram three times and then punted. Yep, yep. That I don't was, remember if it was the Jalen Green I pick. I think that was the, a three and out. It was a three and out? Yeah, yeah, it was a three and that out. That sounds right. Yep. 
and then and then Iowa State ends up kicking a walk off field goal to win that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember that. So, so those are the those are the three. And as and as Pastor Smasher says, the Bo Davis instant I thought about Iowa State. <laughs> that was you had uh that was in that was in 21 yeah that was the the, 30 to 7 desultory within within like what was it i think probably 10 days you had the revolution of uh, you know the monkey did it bite a kid on halloween did it not then the loss to iowa state right and then the loss to kansas state right and then Sark getting asked the most awkward question to start a press conference I've ever heard in my life. And it's at that point that I really felt like I've thought a lot of times in the last 11 or so years this football program has hit rock bottom. But this that's when I felt like this might be it. You consider everything that's happened in pretty much the last two weeks, and that, that felt like rock bottom. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked, is Brock Purdy back for his 12th year this year? Uh, Brock Purdy wasn't there last year. Yeah. Brock Purdy was guiding the San Francisco 49ers last year. So uh, NFC championship. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got him to the NFC championship game. Hunter Deckers back for his sophomore year there. And uh, Beaver Lance Jason says third most intriguing game. He mentions the game at Iowa State should be very hostile. Uh, always is. And at the point that game at that weekend will likely determine the two to four teams that would play for the conference championship. Oh, it's my birthday that day. Well, there you go. Happy there birthday, you go. Happy birthday. birthday. Mine will be the Wyoming game this year. And and I think they've had a decent record on the birthday. There there is no there is no game on my birthday this year. My birthday is two days before the Baylor game. Mine's always like every few years. I think the last one was the, ugh, I think it was the USC game in L.A. How, how's that for a birthday present? Uh, I get to go to Waco. Yeah. Get to go through Gerald and the Bruceville Eddie Triangle all the same day. There you go. I had won um, the Stanford game in 2000. That was rough. That was my 40th. That was a tough one. That was my 40th birthday. <laughs> that one. But the Black balloons would be appropriate for that but, one. Sorry. But I've had other ones that were good ones. Because remember, my birthday's in September. So there were some – it's it's always, almost always, and has been always, uh, at least that I know of, been non-conference games. Like there's been Rice when Cedric Benson had a gigantic game. Um, there was the, 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 the one yeah, at Reliant um, or NRG, whatever. Uh, there have been games like that. So for the most part, it's actually it's on the plus side you of five. A little, a little TMI, uh, a yeah. TMI birthday game yeah. that I remember. Yeah, yeah. The Kansas State game in twenty in twenty thirteen, my birthday fell on that day, e- and I had been I'd been getting yeah. some medication because I had some arthritis issues. They're trying to get my medication right. Yeah. And they gave me a medication that they're like, this could upset your stomach. Uh-oh. Here it comes. I'll tell you this. The Steve Edmond targeting penalty that oh, took yeah. like 45 minutes to review, perfectly timed because I... You spent most of it in the bathroom? Yeah, I did. It was it was rough. I was like, thank God. So I've, you were in that one little stall I've, there in the press box bathroom? Yeah, it's like I've never been more thankful for a targeting call that could potentially go against Texas than this very well because you were dealing right with your own targeting issues. It was it was bad. It was, wow, it was so you, bad. You had to miss an entire half because of your own personal targeting issues. For, pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I came. I went to the bathroom they were reviewing. I came out of the bathroom and Steve Edmonds walking to the locker room. I was like, oh, must have upheld the targeting call. Then, yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, Buhika on the uh, text line says. Uh, 
KU has announced the Blue Bloods home and home basketball series with Carolina 24-25. Nice. Oh, hell yes. And I would hope that uh, Texas uh, would be able to at least periodically play Kansas to to keep yeah. that going. I know both head coaches have said they'd like to keep it going uh, when the end of days arrives for being in the Big 12. Obviously, we, we uh, gave the schedule the other day when it was released, or at least the schedule of opponents. Uh, the Longhorns will only play Kansas one time this year. It will be at Allen Fieldhouse. So they go back to the fog. I got to go. One more thing. Yeah, you've never go. been. Never so been you, to the fog. I got to go. You need to. You need to go. You need to put that. You'll. You'll. Uh, you'll either be seated on press row with some, or perhaps more likely, maybe up. That's in the fine. Rafters. As long as I got a seat hey, in the building. I'd do a game. <laughs> They're up in the rafters. The day that Sark was announced as head coach. You know, of places that football. I've been, because I haven't seen a game at Cameron Indoor, but I walked around like I owned the place yep. last summer. At that point, I'm not going to have too many bucket list stadiums left. I, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, for me, and I've been asked this before, and I'll try to do this also. Uh, I thought about this the other day because people have often asked about, you know, favorite games to call, favorite places to borrow. I'm going I'm to do a little compiling list and, and awesome. hit on a couple of these things uh, before our time is done here a week from tomorrow. But um, on um, on on the bucket list thing of places that I would like to broadcast from, and this these are uncontrollable bucket list things, obviously. It, it's up to scheduling between opponents. But at number one on the top of the list would be to broadcast a game from Cameron Indoor because mm-hmm. I never have. There was one women's game that was there one time to Texas play. Chad did it because I had a scheduling conflict with the men. He he got to do it. But I've never called a game there. I'd love to call a game in the Palestra because my only experience at Palestra is hiding out of the sight of Jay Wright to do a talk show in the Crow's Nest way up top um, where I was sitting on the floor out of sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I couldn't see Villanova's practice and they couldn't see me. Uh, Indiana. I think I'd always like to do a game. I'd, I'd, Roger Wallace has told me on several occasions since he's an IU grad. Assembly Hall. Yeah. It's now the Scoat Assembly Hall or something like that. Scrote? Yeah, no, I think it's S-J-K-O-D-T, I believe okay. it is. He said, prepare to be unimpressed. <laughs> it's a lot if you do that. Uh, but anyway, the, the, you know, those are some places I'd like to have an opportunity after, to call a game. After after Allen Fieldhouse, yeah. I'll be down to pretty much because uh, Superdome was one for me. Madison Square Garden was one for me. Mm-hmm. After this, I'll be down to two and I'll cross one off in 2024 going to the big house. There you go. And then after that, it'll be the Rose Bowl. Never, never seen a That's game, right. covered a game inside the Rose Bowl. That's right. Why didn't you go in 2017? Uh, that was L.A. Coliseum. Yeah, that was the Coliseum. Oh, yeah. that's right. I did go to the Coliseum, which is a, let's face it, the Coliseum is a dump, but it's a dump with some charm. Yeah, and they're buffing it up again for the next Olympics. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, not only did I go and do the game, that, that overtime loss to USC, but the next day. I went to see the Rams play Washington. Yeah, Cameron, I, I went to the locker room post game. When I got back up to the press box, they were already painting the field for the Rams game the next day. I bet. They moved yeah. quickly. Rams they against Washington, and the Rams had just moved back, and they were not they were not even to the level of being really good so players. Like, man, he, after that. These, these multi-use stadiums, these grounds crews do not F around, man. They get after No, they get after it. Do you realize uh, also now the, this new ownership group for Washington, for the Commanders, it includes Magic Johnson, obviously, mm-hmm. that they are entertaining the possibility of changing the name again. 
Red you know Wolves, what? baby. Huh? Red Wolves are coming back. Well, I, I want it to be an R because I think your love. You want it to be. It could be that Joe Gibbs, the, the script R mm-hmm. hat that Joe Gibbs used to wear. That could be your logo. That's my high school logo, by the way, on the side of him, a blue or yeah, white. I remember you saying that. Yeah. yeah. I like that logo. Um, uh, there is there is some movement afoot. There's a groundswell of support to rename it the Washington football team. Commanders is a terrible name. Yeah. It's awful. It hasn't been the same. Yeah. It makes you sound like, like an XFL team yeah. or an Arena League team. Of course, if it's Washington football team, it sounds like an English Premier League soccer team. But I'd be okay with that. That grew on me, though. It's it's, it's it unstable, but it grew on me. Uh, Linda, who's not a fan of the team, loved the name, though. In fact, I even ordered one of those thin hoodies for her just so she could have it and say Washington football team. Cause she my daughter. It. My daughter loved Yeah, Washington, Washington football, football team. team. Yeah, it was good. All right. Uh, coming up, we'll uh, have uh, this hour's... Um, Longhorn Notebook, but prior to that, we will uh, bring you our Flex 30 update when we continue with Life the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, digital, the Horn app at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. Someone on the Specs text line suggested, how about the Washington Republicrats? Uh, would be one thing if they decided to. Uh, change the name back something like that uh why not the washington tackle football team <laughs> could be that uh somebody else has but what was it like calling uh, notre dame games in the place um had the opportunity twice you have to go all the way back to 1995 when it was the analyst bill shoning and i were there the texas notre dame game that's where it was a 27 20 game in the third quarter and then notre dame just blew it wide open. They ended up winning 55-27. to 27. Alan Rossum, big game in that skyline high and played there and then played for the Eagles. Uh, that was also the game where Phil Dawson was about to break Jeff Ward's record for consecutive extra points, and Jeff was our sideline reporter. And our, uh, our late producer, Bill Harwell, had said, why don't we throw it down to Jeff to have him call it? So we worked it out in advance. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then Jeff was saying up the uh, on the inside channel to Bill Harwell right when Notre Dame scored. I don't want to do that. Don't do it. Just have Bill call it. So <laughs> Bill Harwell holds up his big sign says, do not, in big capital letters, do not throw to Jeff. <laughs> Shouting, blah, 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 now for the extra point for the record break. Let's go down to Jeff. <laughs> and we all looked at him like, what? And he, and he looked and he was like, Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so Jeff goes to call, and, and he seamlessly said, okay, yeah, and then, you know, it's first of many of my records that will be broken, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the extra point gets blocked and run back for a two-point conversion. Uh, That's tough. Uh, and there's years, boom, and then Jeff didn't say anything. He's waiting for Bill to pick up the play-by-play, and then Bill's like, that ah, was blocked and picked up, blah, blah, blah. That's a So tough I think one. about that. And then um, – They had revamped a lot of the stadium in the press box because I went to a game in South Bend on an open date for Texas. I took my son, Jason. We went to see Notre Dame-BYU, which went overtime. Jimmy Clausen. Oh, you got Charlie Weiss, Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. In, in, uh, I guess it was 08 or 09, one of those in there. But I went to that. So I've been in that stadium uh, three times. And then, of course, the last time, the one where, you know, 
Charlie's opener where it gets blasted. That, that was a great experience up until the yeah. game started. Yeah. Uh, hey, by the way, on that trip to Notre Dame in 2015, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a, just a press box credential, they're not supposed to let you on the field. At any point? Right, but I, may, I got there early enough. Yeah. You bet your ass I went down that Notre Dame tunnel and ran out of like Rudy did in the movie. Did you hit the sign, uh, play like a champion? I couldn't. There was, no, there was no sign there. Oh, okay. That's all in the locker room. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. signs, but yeah, yeah. I sure as sure You wanted to go down there and have tunnel. your own Rudy experience? Yes, I did. Uh, t- to, answer, awesome. to answer the Texas question, I enjoyed it. I did. Um, you know, the game, the nasty nature of the game took a little bit of the spice away from it, but it was a good enough broadcast position. No one hoisted me up on their shoulders, though. That yeah. was slightly disappointing. Yeah, but not unexpected. And Joe Montana wasn't there. Otherwise, I yeah. might have been uh, jailed in South Bend that night for uh, some type of assault. Somebody else said Washington Swamp. Uh, Here, did I, okay, let me bring this up on the Washington deal, because I, I just... Whatever Washington you, rioters. Whatever you got to do to oh come on. Yeah. Whatever you got to do to bring the Joe Gibbs script R back. As much as I don't like that franchise, I do think you can connect it to the past. Remember when Syracuse changed their name? They were the Orange Men, and they just went to the Orange. Yeah, right. Couldn't you just call Wash? Couldn't you just call them the Red <laughs> or the Reds? <laughs> I guess you could have. I mean, we want Washington football team, right? It's better than Commanders. Yeah. Before the last name change, remember the top contenders were the Red Hogs and the Red Wolves. One, one of the Red Tails, one of the ones I'm sure it was. Of the yes. Yeah. I believe that Wilson. was for the Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah, I right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's roll into our Flex 30 update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Okay, what we have here, the unveiling of the preseason watch list for the All-Flex team. This is the preseason watch list, okay? So it starts with the offensive line. Listen closely to this, Cam. See how you feel about this. Offensive lineman. 16 on the preseason watch list, the all-flex one. Blake Frazier, Vandegrift. Uh, Isomo Arakatai, I believe, from mm-hmm. Lake Travis. Judson Cook from McNeil. Yeah. Tyler Nate from Westlake. Luke Miller from Round Rock. McCander Evans from Dripping Springs. Gage Garrison of Vandegrift. Cameron Morrison of Glenn. Joel Pazos of Austin High. Ryan Casimir of Leander. Ori Williams of San Marcos. Gerald Mays from Weiss. Sophomore. Big time. Big time kid. Michael Uni from, uh, or excuse me, that's Uini from Coppers Cove. Georgia commit. Preston Honeycutt from Hutto. Jackson Key from Drip. And Caden Romo from Wimberley. That's the offensive line preseason all-flex watch list. Now for the defense. Defensive line, Caleb Dickey, oh yeah, from Crockett. Oh yeah. First team All-District a year ago. Jonah Collis of Cedar Ridge. Caden Dees from Vista Ridge. Those were both first team All-District guys. Uh, Chima Onyajaka from Stony Point. How did, how's that really pronounced? Did you use Salt Stony? I believe it was Onyaka. Onyaka, yeah. Uh, Gus Bus, Gustavo Cordova from Lake Travis. Jacob Henry. Now at Vandegrift, remember. Mm-hmm. 
Thompson Vickery of Dripping Springs, Elijah Gonzalez of Drip, Chad Otutu from Weiss, Michael Valenta from Georgetown, Joe Weiss from Leander, and Caleb Castro from Cedar Park. That's your watch list. Doesn't mean if the name was on there, doesn't can't get added later. It certainly can be. But that's 16 offensive linemen and 12 defensive linemen on the all-flex watch list, the preseason watch list. Tomorrow it'll be special teams. So we'll get to that tomorrow. So there it is. Uh, okay. Hey, before we move on to the Longhorn Notebook, I, just because he's on TV giving an interview right now, do you realize that you have the distinct honor of, within a couple of seasons of each other, being able to call a game involving Equinemius St. Brown and Amon Ra St. Brown? I did. I remember that. <laughs> Notre Dame and uh, and SC? Absolutely. I remember both of that very, very well. Um, and and Pops calls in with B&E sometimes. To yeah. visit with their dad. So, you know, it, that's... It, that that happens from time to time. All right, so there is your uh, your Flex Thirty update. Uh, <laughs> someone else suggested the Washington Repugnants, uh, the uh, Piggybackers. Uh, so they were going to name them the Washington Ripoff Artists, but no matter how true that is, it doesn't have the right ring to it. Whatever know? it is, can it be a name that Joe Gibbs wants to come back into the fold? Because I, yes. I think seeing Joe Gibbs yesterday celebrate Denny Hamlin's win at Pocono. After uh, Hamlin pushed Larson to the wall, great race, but maybe miss Joe Gibbs, man. He was See, a great part of the Washington. That's how that's franchise. how Cameron knows Joe Gibbs more from NASCAR ownership. Yes, Joe Gibbs to me is legendary football the coach, coach who won three Super Bowls. Yes, Hall of Famer. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Joe, right. Joe Gibbs, a, he's a Don Coryell disciple, is he? Mm-hmm. Not? Yeah, that's what I thought. So uh, there's your uh, flex thirty update. Time now. For your Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Craig, just for you. Yes. We're going to talk a little baseball. Okay. Longhorn baseball. There's a pretty big tie-in with your Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. Because the last top 10-round draft pick that the Dodgers have yet to sign is also the one remaining Longhorn draftee who's yet to sign. That's Dylan Campbell. Taken in the fourth round. Uh, He has not signed. The slot value for... His for his pick is four hundred seventy, a little over four hundred seventy, almost four hundred seventy-four thousand dollars. That's the slot value. So, what do the Dodgers have left? Well, based on the math that I crunched, they had a little less than three hundred thousand left. You say, okay, there's no way they're going to be able to sign Dylan Campbell because you're not even going to get you're going to be over a hundred thousand, almost two hundred thousand away from slot. But, but, Major League Baseball teams with their bonus pool money, they can go up to up to five percent over. The bonus pull amount, true. and only have to pay the only penalty they would have to pay. They would have to pay a seventy five percent tax on whatever the overage is, up to five percent. Why? Why up to five percent? Because once you go over five percent, now you talk about losing compensation in terms of future draft picks. So up to five percent. So to sign Dylan Campbell, the Dodgers, if they go up to the full five percent over, have about six hundred forty eight thousand dollars. If they want to go over and if they want to pay the tax, right? That's probably the crux of where things are right now. Because I'm sure if I'm Dylan Campbell and I'm his, I'm part of his team, part of his representation. I'm saying right. you can go up to 647k here. Uh, we want to get as close to that as possible. And I'm sure the Dodgers are saying 
we like you, you're a good player, we would like to pay as little tax on this deal as possible. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's not signed this close to the deadline, which is 4 p.m. our time tomorrow, mm-hmm. so we're closing in on 24 hours to get this thing done, that's got to make for some very interesting discussions, I would think, Craig. I agree. Uh, I, I do want to say one thing, uh, because I've been asked a lot about this, both on Twitter and Facebook, and, and that's understandable given uh, my professed allegiance to the team that plays in Los Angeles. I was there in Arlington Friday night. I was wearing my gray Los Angeles road jersey and the Dodger hat. I was there mm-hmm. for that. I was excited when the Dodgers won, and... Uh, Really excited to see them play well Saturday, yesterday. Not so much. Got the first inning grand slam from Muncie, and not much after that. And I was, I didn't have a real good feeling about Emmett Sheehan, who's struggling to with command to be able to pitch to those Ranger hitters. And sure enough, that that bore out uh, yesterday. But I am a people know that I am a huge dyed in the wool Dodgers fan. Been to see him in uh, two World Series. Went to the All Star game last year. Huge, huge Dodger fan. I don't want them signing Dylan Candles. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> My mom used to say blood is thicker than water. I want Dylan Campbell in the Longhorn uniform next year. Now, that's kind of selfish on my part, uh, even from the Longhorn perspective, because you want what's best for D.C. Mm-hmm. If, if if the Dodgers are willing to offer him six hundred grand, that's well above slot, and they feel like it's worth it, hey, Godspeed, my friend. He's a great guy. And a uh, uh, tremendous baseball player, and I'd love to see him in a Dodger uniform someday. But uh, not only is a play-by-play voice for the long words, but somebody who who uh, really enjoys and has enjoyed calling the games that Dylan Campbell has played in, I'd love to have one more season calling it. I would really, really like to see him see it not work out. Hey, yeah. maybe it'll work out where the Dodgers could redraft the next year. Probably wouldn't happen. He'd probably wind up somewhere else. Uh, but I would prefer to see him right. in burnt orange next year, not Dodger blue in their minor league system. So just so we've got all the numbers out on the table, before you get into the taxable overage, the Dodgers have $284,000, $284,100 of their bonus pool money left. So they'd have to go at least 116000 <laughs> into that. Some quick, some quick math off the top of your head, Craig. Good job with that. So, yeah, that's uh, and the slot for him, again, is 473700 Oh, it's four seventy three. Four seventy three. Okay, yeah. I was thinking four hundred. So it's four seventy. So four seventy three seven hundred. So that's one hundred eighty nine. Then mm-hmm. one hundred eighty nine. I still. Uh, I would just tell you. And this. at that point, you're looking at about probably a three, three and a half percent. See, I don't think over. You'd have to pay tax on. I, I don't think that's a big deal for the ball club in terms of what they pay overage. Right. Uh, I, I really don't. But I don't know if they want to do that for that particular prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the Dodgers right now, if there's one thing they have a glut of at the major league level right now is outfielders, which is good because they've had injuries. But James Outman's playing as a rookie right now. Uh, did you guys see uh, Johnny DeLuca make those two fabulous catches against the Rangers on Friday night? You got Johnny DeLuca. Uh, you got you got him. <laughs> To a couple of Ranger fans going, that Delusia guy. <laughs> I did not turn around to correct them, but anyway. Uh, so, yeah, they, they've got outfielders. Doesn't mean Dylan can't play infield, by the way, because he can. He does have the skill set. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But if you're asking my preference, yes, I'd love to see him playing for Texas one more year.
I really would love to see that. Uh, by the way, just one other note before we take the break here. So, yeah, I had fun. Uh, I like going to games at Globe Life. I know if you say oh, indoor and all that other kind of stuff. Listen, when the place is filled, it's it can be pretty raucous. Now, on Friday night, I would say this is a conservative estimate, 10,000 Dodger fans in the building. There you blue go. and white. There was a lot of that. So it was a constant kind of buzz and cacophony going on. But even when the rain, I went there for a Rangers Blue Jays game, which was a sellout uh, when we took our grandson. And it was very noisy and very loud. And so it can be home field advantage. And it was 74 degrees in there as opposed to 99 yeah. outside on Friday night. That's why people stopped going or weren't going in nearly <laughs> the amounts to what is now Choctaw Field. Great ballpark. Too damn hot. The swamp ass factor has yes. been decreased significantly. Absolutely. So it is good. The one other thing I would add on that, it, this is grumpy old man speaking here, okay? Yell, yell at the cloud and shake and your fist. I, I am. I am. I'm yelling at the cloud, shaking my fist. Grumpy old man here. In my day, we would go to a ball game and we would sit during the game, and we would watch the game, and that was the way it was, and we liked it. We loved it. Fiddle dee dee. The point being. That sounded like kind of like angry Bill Little right there. A little like bit. If, like if Bill Little was customer service. It was, service it was, it yeah. was the Dana Carvey uh, <laughs> grumpy old man. Anyway, um, it, it, it seemed like there was a constant stream of people getting up and down the rows around us, above us, below us, on our row. There was, I, I swear to you, there's this one family of four that they averaged, they averaged two trips needing to come out of the aisle per inning, like I, one every uh, half inning. I dealt with that Astros Mariners, too, when yeah. I went a couple of weeks so ago. So there's, there's a lot of that going on where people are going to go. They are not allowed, about to let a ball game get in the way of having a good time. They're going to the ballpark. Yeah, that and all that. So hey, I get it. It's part of the deal now. Linda and I were looking at each other, kind of laughing about, does anybody just want to sit and watch for one full inning, the top and the bottom, before getting up to go get another beer or go to the bathroom again or get a, to get some nachos again? <laughs> Did either of y'all take in Leo Messi's first goal with Miami? I saw the highlight. No, I didn't. David Beckham. Everyone's got their phones out, and you just see David Beckham yeah. just sitting there yeah. enjoying the game. Did Absolutely. LeBron have it's his phone out? Oh, I'm sure. Okay. Kim yeah. Kardashian was there for some reason. He got interviewed after the game. Well, Not sure yeah. why. Was Tom Brady there with? Well, never mind. All right. Hey, real quick. So yeah. on the Texas baseball signings, with Travis Sakura, we know yep. signed. Yep. Lucas Gordon's signed with, signed right. with the White Sox for underslot. Uh, Garrett Gilmet signed with the Astros. Zane Morehouse got his deal done with yep. the what the guard the Guardians. Guardians. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Again, Cleveland baseball team would have <laughs> been fine. And uh, Travis Staley signed with the Nationals. Yeah. Any of those? Nothing surprising, right? None. Nothing none, surprised me. None. So. Uh, they should have gone back to Cleveland Spiders, which was the team name in the late 1800s. Been, I agree. So, so cool. The Spiders would have been great. Yeah. Just like Reed Ryan and I were in agreement that it should have been the Round Rock Fire Ants. Not the Express. He wanted Fire Ants. But he said voices above and around and all Come that on. just dictated that it had to be expressed. Yeah, when he wanted fire. Yeah, ants. but when your dad is who he is, he uh, wanted fire yeah, ants though. Yeah, Can you imagine yeah, that logo, man? That would have been. It so would have been clean. so cool. Hey, they were the Round Rock Donuts the other night. I know they changed. You know they do like they they do that alter ego thing, chupacabras, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool with the lime green Harry and the man. black. Yeah, the hairy man, and they did the and they did the Round Rock Donuts the other. I had night. a Round Rock Donut on Friday. I did too. Yeah. It's pretty awesome.
There it is. You didn't have 10 in five minutes, though, I bet. I think Friday we're doing that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we got a schedule for Friday. That's right. Either Friday or next Wednesday. Those yeah, are the two days right. that work the best yeah. for me. two yeah. days Cam has to do it. Yeah. We'll be back to wrap Hopefully it up here like the tower on the horn. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, so it's going to wrap it up. Uh, John in the Basin is a picture of uh, the San Jose Giants alternate. They're the churros. The churros. Yeah. So we were just talking churros. about flaming queso during yeah. the break and not churros. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chad Hastings, back from vacation, will be there along with Isaiah Collar. Chad and Zay coming up next. We'll be with you tomorrow uh, for our man behind the glass, our producer, Cameron Parker. For my co-host, Jeff Howe, I'm Craig Wade. Thanks for joining us. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, right here on Light the Tower.